Welcome to Studio Conversations. I'm Andrew McElroy, an artist and writer coming to you from Nam on the traditional lands of the Kulin Nation in Melbourne, Australia. Walking tours can reveal much about a city like Melbourne, often hinting at a darker past. But to discover the characters, happenings and subcultures that make a city truly what it is today, let's dive a little deeper into that underworld of hoodlums, whorehouses and gambling dens to uncover the hidden lives of its artists, writers, actors and bon viants, never far from its fringes. Well, that's what we're talking about today. In the late 1880s, Madame Brussels was a notorious brothel owner with several exclusive establishments or flash houses from Bennett's Lane amongst the colourful underworld of opium dens, seamy hotels and jazz clubs to the gentrified theatre district of Lonsdale and Exhibition Streets in Victorian Melbourne. Newspaper reports of the time, cloaked in the strictures of Victorian language, provide insights into the dangers of these dimly lit laneways, of drunken soldiers acting out, vagrancies or solicitation, and assaults on women of ill repute involving quarrels over financial transactions. In 1889, the Herald reported that police were being called nightly to some terrible dens, where they found attached to these disreputable establishments large numbers of men and hoodlums, constituting a most dangerous element and responsible for the robberies and violent assaults on defenceless wayfarers. While the Prussian-born Madame Brussels' influence on this Melbourne underworld was far-reaching, her impact upon the emerging bohemian subculture and closely tethered literary and art scene was more oblique. Painters, writers, musicians and actors, fresh from their journeying to Paris to enjoy the company of like-minded artists, to live amongst and learn from them and experience firsthand the great art of Europe, were attracted to the bohemian counterculture of creativity and free thought of Madame Brussels Melbourne in the early 1900s and regularly gathered, wrote and performed at its clubs and European-style cafes, most notably Fasoli's Restaurant at 108 Lonsdale Street. Established in the 1850s as a lodging house and wine shop under the name of Pension Suisse, Vincenzo Fasoli, after many changes of ownership, took over the notorious tenements to establish Fasoli's. Newspaper reports tell of Fasoli's cosmopolitan patrons. All races, creeds, professions and outside personalities meet here on common ground, it says. The food is mostly Italian. You begin with hors d'oeuvres, salami, lentils, French beans, sardines, beetroot and potato salad. Then comes a dish of well-prepared macaroni, risotto or soup. Le plate du jour consists of roast beef, pork, chicken, etc. with stuffed cabbages and quaintly prepared vegetables. For dessert, there is fruit, 
and pudding for the Philistines, but the chosen prefer the excellent salads of endives, cheese and celery or watercress. There is wine ad lib, red and white, and with the cheese a delicious cup of black coffee. No doubt an adventurous departure for Melbourne's stodgy English food tastes of the time. Amongst the travelled artists of Melbourne's Bohemian Society was George Henry Frederick Bell, a student of the National Art School between 1896 and 1903, Bell studied under Frederick McCubbin and the painting master Bernard Hall, forming friendships with many artists including Hugh Ramsey, Norman McGeorge and James Quinn, and where he also developed, according to the Victorian Artists Society, what was to be a lifelong dislike of Max Meldrum. In 1906, Bell left for London and continued to paint in the tonal realist style taught by Hall, though slowly beginning to question the National Art School's academic methods, including the insistence that works of art must have a purpose outside of merely representing the subject. The director of the National Gallery and art critic, J.S. MacDonald, later commented that Bell remained dissatisfied with what was being taught and so gave up for good the schools and within his own studio began to work out the problems for himself. In 1907, Bell, at the urging of George Lambert, became a founding member of the Bond Society of Portrait Painters in London, where he exhibited until 1915. Later that year, Bell joined the Chelsea Arts Club, a club popular with Australians, and here Bell both made and renewed friendships with artists including Fred Leist, George Coates, Dora Meeson, and Will Dyson and his wife, Ruby Lindsay. Such friendships aided Bell's efforts to establish his reputation and his success in exhibiting. Of particular importance was his acceptance at the 1908 Royal Academy, a recognition that elevated his standing in the London art world. Declared medically unfit to enlist during World War I, Bell went on to become an official war artist in 1918 for the 4th Division of the Australian Imperial Force, though Bell reached the Western Front too late to witness actual combat, although he was there for the signing of the armistice. Hence his lauded works document the aftermath of battle, illustrating ravaged landscapes and ruined buildings. In December 1919, Bell returned to Australia marrying Edith Hobbs, an English actress whom he had met in England in 1915, throwing himself into the Melbourne art scene and later becoming a long-standing art critic for the Melbourne Herald's Sun News Pictorial. In February 1932, Bell and Arnold Shaw opened the Bell Shaw Art School in Bourke Street, with the intention of teaching modern art with an emphasis on modelling through colour. Later that year, Bell formed the Contemporary Group of Melbourne, promoting the exhibition of modern art. This interest and a growing dissatisfaction with the stagnation of Australian art led to Bell's return to Europe in 1934, where he spent the next 16 months absorbing new approaches to painting. When Bell returned to Melbourne again in late 1935, it was with an altered approach to his practice, influenced by the post-impressionists like Cezanne and a dedication to promoting modern art. In 1937, 
Bell set about organising an exhibition of works of modern art by artists outside Australia to be held at the National Gallery of Victoria between October and November. The relatively small group of 52 works was nonetheless an important collection, certainly for Melbourne, and included paintings by Van Gogh and Picasso. The Argus, on 25 June 1937, heralded the upcoming exhibition. An exhibition of modern art will be held in the National Gallery in the near future. At a meeting yesterday, the Gallery Trustees, the Director of the National Gallery, Mr J.S. MacDonald, was authorised to arrange for the exhibition. It was suggested that he might be assisted by a committee comprising of Sir John Longstaff and Mrs George Bell, A. Colquhoun and Percy Meldrum. Mr MacDonald said that it would be possible to borrow a considerable number of paintings for such an exhibition from private collections. In 1938, Bell was influential in forming the Contemporary Art Society, of which he became president and Rupert Bunny vice-president. However, in 1941, following internal conflicts among the members, principally about the onslaught of modernism, Bell broke away to form the Melbourne Contemporary Artists Society and in 1949 created the George Bell Group. While Bell maintained a strong presence in the art community as a practising artist, engaging in debates and firmly promoting modernism, he remains best known for his role as a teacher and the establishment of forward-thinking studios. Bell taught for over four decades, being awarded an OBE and shaping the career of many students, some of its most notable, according to the Victorian Artists' Society, including Peter Purvis-Smith, Russell Drysdale and Fred Williams. Just a block away from Melbourne's Bohemian origins at the Paris end of Collins Street, Grosvenor Chambers, purpose-built in 1888 to accommodate artist studios, housed Tom Roberts, Jane Sutherland, Arthur Streeton and Clara Southern, all members of the Heidelberg School who produced some of their finest studio works behind this imposing Victorian facade. In 1951, Georges and Merka Mora took an apartment in this humming building on their arrival from war-torn Europe, breathing new life into Melbourne's artistic community. Respected biographer Janine Burke describes Merka Mora as a stunningly attractive young woman, her chic fashion sense, gamin hairstyle together with a radiant smile, mischievous manner and genuine warmth and sympathy soon made her probably the most interesting woman in town. Through Merka and George's growing intimacy with cultural figures such as John and Sunday Reed, Joy Hester, Ian and Dawn Syme, Charles and Barbara Blackman, John Percival and Mary Boyd, as well as the poet Barrett Reed, they found themselves at the centre of modernist discourse and art making. It inspired Merka, who without any formal training committed herself to painting. In 1953, the Mora's apartment hosted the first meeting of the revived Contemporary Art Society. The Merka Cafe opened at 183 Exhibition Street the following year, and the Belzac, 
a successful French bistro, was launched in 1956 to coincide with the wave of international tourism from the Olympic Games. The phrase joie de vie could have been invented for her, says Janine Burke. She seduced Melbourne with her naughty sense of humour, I believe. She'd like that description in the nicest possible way. The artist of early Melbourne owe Madame Brussels a great debt, a pioneering woman of considerable charm and force, and who no doubt provided more than we will ever know to the artist and intellectual development of a modern Victorian city and its inhabitants. Hopefully, Melbourne's artist studios can one day again flourish in pursuit of the ideals of the artists of our bohemian past for all their sins. Thanks for listening.